Our synagogue is not a political organization. Even if the Johnson Amendment is overturned, that law prohibiting religious organizations from endorsing political parties and candidates, we will not do so. Our nonpartisan, non-political status strengthens us. We have a diverse congregation filled with people who support both major parties and every type of politician. Furthermore, we believe in the separation of church and state. If we are interested in walls, this is the most important one to build and defend. It's part of what has made America exceptionally great. Our concern is the morality of policies. Democracy depends upon an active citizenry, and Judaism demands social repair. Judaism is insistent. What have you done today to promote human dignity, to alleviate humiliation, to ensure fairness, to diminish, if only a little, the human tendency towards arrogance? We are obligated, we do not have a choice, to speak about and act upon the moral challenges of our times. We are summoned to fairness and human dignity. I will make of you a great nation. And all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves through you. This is the Jewish calling, to be a blessing to our world. I have grasped you by the hand. I have created you and appointed you a covenant people, a light to the nations, opening eyes deprived of light. Our calling brings us into contact with the political world but not as partisans. We are moral agents seeking the welfare of the community. Therefore, given that something substantial has changed in our country, more than the usual thrust and parry and give and take of American politics, we have no alternative but to become more active than we have been before. I want to emphasize to our entire community, while we do not shy away from controversy, no person or group of people in this congregation has a monopoly on truth. We do the best we can based on our deepest understanding of what God demands of us. But this understanding is human, subject to the fallibilities of our human composition. If you disagree with my or our community's direction, we welcome and embrace you 
get involved in one of the task forces we intend to create and argue the case. Kol machloket shamayim say our sages. Any controversy that is for the sake of heaven, for the sake of pursuing truth, is destined to endure and is a good thing. The entire intellectual history of Judaism is based upon debate, dissent, and disagreement. I have long felt that the refugee crisis is the most catastrophic moral failing of our time. Despite near universal commitment to the concept of never again, time after time in the West, we turn away from the brutalities and inhumanities of tyrants. We close our doors and shut our hearts to unimaginable human suffering. Why? Why do we ignore the cries of mothers, the sight of dead children washing upon freedom's shores? We are innately suspicious of others. Human nature and evolution have hardwired us to be fearful of the stranger. Of course, sometimes this fear is justified. It is the reason that evolution evolved us this way. There are two common responses. The first is to perpetuate, intensify, and exacerbate our fear, to speak of the other in derogatory and dangerous terms. Throughout history, political leaders, skilled in the rhetorical arts and filled with powerful ambitions, have exploited these innate anxieties by pitting some of us against others of us. We need to be protected from them. They are a danger to our lives and well-being. We'll be celebrating Purim next month. Haman warned, there is a certain people dispersed amongst our own who are different from us. It is not in the best interests of the king to tolerate these Jews. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph and said, look, look at the Israelite people. They're much too numerous for us. In the event of war, they may join our enemies. It is because we are susceptible to this fear to this suspicion and hard-heartedness. It is because our first instinct is to reject the foreigner that Judaism insists on the second response. Overcome your fear. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know the soul of a foreigner because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. 
Pharaoh's daughter overcame her fear and defied her tyrannical father. She took in a baby refugee. Rather than allow his lifeless body to wash up upon the shores of the Nile. The boy's name was Moses. She raised him as her own. He became the great emancipator. There would have been no Judaism and hence no Christianity and no Islam had Pharaoh's daughter not opened her heart to hear the cries of a baby. The Bible tells us that she saw the cries. She didn't merely hear an infant weeping. She saw Moses' cries. She peered into his heart and she found there not a Hebrew, but a fellow human being created in the image of God, deserving the same protections and the same dignity as the royal princess herself. Emma Lazarus captured the humanitarian spirit of Judaism and expressed it as an American creed. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse on your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest-tossed, to me, I will lift my lamp beside the golden door. This is the moral objection to the executive order signed this week, banning entrance into our country from seven predominantly Muslim nations. It is not that we should be unconcerned with security. The first responsibility of government is to protect the citizenry. Of course we should be concerned about security. Of course people should be vetted. It is true that some terrorists infiltrated the stream of refugees in Europe. To deny these truths is not only unrealistic, it is unhelpful because it weakens our credibility. Looks to me like a Muslim ban. Looks to me like the fulfillment of a campaign promise. To me, Rudolph Giuliani gave it away when he said that the president asked him how to implement a Muslim ban that would be legal. But even if it's only about security, and even if this is just a temporary ban. Two very big ifs for me that the courts will weigh in on as well. Nonetheless, the central moral problem is that we have shut our doors to the world's most vulnerable and most vetted people in the world. Of the 750,000 immigrants admitted as refugees into the United States since 9-11. Five have been arrested for terrorist offenses, and four of these five for offenses committed abroad. In an act of stunning ingratitude, we have turned our backs on people who, 
at grave risk to them and their families, helped us when we most needed their help, after we promised, we gave our word that we would not abandon them and feed them to the wolves. The point is not that we should be unconcerned about security. The point is that America is exceptional. We are the only country founded on an idea, the American dream. We do not want to be like other countries. We want to remain that shining city on a hill, the land of the free, a beacon of light, a torch of liberty to a dark world. The point is that America is all about refuge. We are a land of immigrants. We judge you here on your deeds, not where you came from. We judge you on the basis of your fidelity to the American ideal, not your race, religion, or gender. What is really transpiring is an internal debate within ourselves. Which America do we want to be? The one we grew up on? The generous, open-hearted, kind, gracious, freedom-loving? Country with an exceptional mission to spread the light of liberty and the benefits of democracy? Or a meaner, narrower, more suspicious, more intolerant, more fearful, xenophobic America that turns its back on the world's problems. The point of 400 years of Jewish slavery was to sensitize us to the horror of oppression. Otherwise, why make such a big deal of it? What normal people in their right mind spend so much time and so much emphasis on their worst period, the period of their worst suffering? Who does that? It is to allow us to step into the shoes of the persecuted, to imagine that we were there, slaves in Egypt. This is the bread of affliction. We start the Seder. Step into the shoes of a refugee. To step into another's shoes is the beginning of morality and the first step of compassion. Try to imagine yourself on a tempest-tossed, rickety boat fleeing Assad's chemicals and ISIS brutalities. Don't you remember? Hasn't been too long. You don't have to go all the way back to Egypt. Just think back two or three or four generations. We Jews were on those boats 
the wretched refuse that no one wanted. The world shut its doors to us, too. Judaism demands that we relieve suffering because it is not our purpose to suffer. God seeks life, liberty, prosperity, safety, and dignity for human beings. And we are God's messengers. I want our congregation to be God's messengers. For all the other political passions you hold, there are other organizations. We are concerned here with upholding the great Jewish principles that have guided us through the ages to recognize the image of God in the other, to defend, uphold, and extend our common humanity. Accordingly, I'm announcing tonight that I and our president, Michael Patterson, and Rabbi Fersco will be leading a synagogue mission to Greece and Germany in the spring. I urge you to join us despite the expense and despite the discomfort of body and soul that we may encounter. And I see several young people here, seniors in high school and college age kids. We want you to join us too. We need you. We will see the poor the tired, the wretched, with our own eyes. We will face them. When you have to face someone, you think, feel, and act differently when, than when you view them as political objects. It is why it is much easier to hate online, behind a screen, than face to face. I hope that many of you leave the comfort of your home and join us and do some volunteer work for 10 days. And I want those who join us to document what we see to be God's witnesses and messengers to hundreds and thousands of others. I want you not only to hear the cries of the suffering, I want you to see their cries. I want you to look into the eyes of a Syrian or Yazidi seven-year-old orphan whose parents drowned on the high seas or were blown to bits in a low basement. I want you to face these children, look them in the eyes, and then tell me that they're a security threat to the United States of America. I want comfortable Americans, satiated and filled with the optimism of the American dream, to offer the milk of human compassion to a hungry Yazidi girl whose mother was raped before her eyes and whose father was executed in the public square. I want comfortable and satisfied 
prosperous and free Americans, so steeped in the language of liberty, to write the word hope on the brow of a Syrian boy whose parents asphyxiated on Assad's chemicals. We need to be friends to these abandoned souls. Do not pretend that these are not human beings. Can't you see God in them? Ah, little boy. I see you have a wooden spade. Ah, little girl with wool, what are you making now? The boy digs his grave. The girl that knits her shroud. We're planning to spend Shavuot, the day commemorating the granting of the Torah, with refugees. It will be a Shavuot you will never forget. We're planning to spend Memorial Day with the suffering. It will be a Memorial Day you will never forget. You will remember all that is good and noble about the American experience and reflect on why so many of our best and brightest gave their very lives to our cause. In Greece, we will honor the ancient Greeks who believed that the human task was to tame the savageness of man and to make gentle the life of this world. Come on Sunday morning and we'll give you more details about the mission as well as our plan to mobilize on many other issues that will concern us in the years ahead. Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer will be joining us. Dear friends, we cannot escape history. We will be remembered despite ourselves. We will either be sown with honor or dishonor. We must chart the path which, if followed, the world will forever applaud and God will forever bless. Try to love someone today. Try to help another today. Try to do, do justice today. Try to be right today. Try to care for the orphan today. Try to comfort the widow today. Try to heal the sick today. Try to feed the hungry. Try to clothe the naked today. Try to welcome the stranger today. Try to be faithful today. Try to be a witness today. Our tradition reminds us that while we are not obligated to finish the task, neither are we free to desist from it. Every time we stand up for an ideal or an act to improve the lot of others or strike out against injustice, we send forth a tiny ripple of hope. 
Those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of apathy, indifference, and cruelty. These are the most patriotic and the most American acts of all. The cloak that binds America together is woven of strong yet delicate fabric. It serves to shelter alike the rich and the poor, the native and the foreign-born, Jew and Gentile, black and white. Let no one tear it asunder, for we do not know where we shall find its likes again. Amen.